All I really wanted was to be somebody. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, you're tuned in to episode number 12 of Traffic Jam. This is your host, James Reynolds, and I have another great show for you today. This episode, as always, we have our popular segment, the one minute traffic tip. We have all the latest traffic news in this week in traffic. And we have an interview with a very interesting entrepreneur who built the 19th most trafficked website in the world. Now, it's a bit of a disruptive yet content filled interview right from the start. In fact, my guest doesn't even allow me to complete my introduction before delivering his first traffic tip. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So let's introduce the guest to you. His name is Andrew Warner and he's the founder of Mixergy.com, a site where Andrew interviews proven tech founders and teaches entrepreneurship. Now, there are currently over 800 interviews with founders of companies like Sun Microsystems, Pixar, Groupon and LinkedIn, as well as various personalities you'll recognize like Timothy Ferris, Seth Godin and Traffic Jam guests like Pat Flynn and Max Teitelbaum. All of these guys feature on Mixergy.com. In his 20s, Andrew used credit cards and J.Crew refunds to create a 35 plus million dollar generating business online. Now, at one point, his website ranked number 19 in the world for total traffic. Now, on this interview, Andrew is going to share with you how he built an email list with over 20 million subscribers and the strategies that helped his business become a top 20 ranking website in terms of overall traffic. So here's the interview. Okay, this is episode number 12 of Traffic Jam and joining us today is Andrew Warner from Mixergy.com. Andrew, welcome to the call. Hey, thanks. Good to have you here. Um, Of course, on Mixergy, you invite onto the show proven tech founders who share their journey in business so as to teach entrepreneurship to your listeners. I'd like you to sort of follow the same lead today on Traffic Jam and ask you about your backstory. And hopefully we can get some great insights into how you've built several tech businesses and hopefully gain some good ideas for traffic generation and audience building as well. But the big question... Let me give you... I I already interrupted your your intro, but I got to tell you why I'm interrupting. Because I've got to give you my number one suggestion for you for more traffic. You're a good-looking guy with a mic that looks really powerful. A lot, it, gives, it communicates a lot of authority. You get guests on here that I can see from their faces are impressive guests. Like who's the latest one? Chris Brogan is the one that I'm looking at on the site. you got to do video. People do not understand that those little boxes with the play button, what they mean. They're worried about having to sit and listen to someone you know, drone on for a while. But if you give them video – it just for some reason gets their attention, gets them to hit the play button and um, and gets them to fast forward and interact and and spend some time. If I'm boring, which frankly I sometimes am, looking up, they look at my face and they go, well, look at Andrew. He's he's kind of a weird looking guy. Why is he doing video interviews? Look at look at uh, look at the mics that they're each using. My suggestion for you is for traffic, put video on there. When I put video, people started to really believe that the guests were real. Mm. Sort of feel like, hey, Seth Godin's in the room with Andrew. I want to know what Seth Godin has to say. 
Well, I'm a massive advocate of video, Andrew, so I'll, I'll stake that claim now. I mean, some of the most powerful stuff that I'm doing in my own businesses right now is, is regular video content, two or three times a week, informative, quality content, and that stuff gets shared. I mean, it's just going everywhere. It's building an audience. So, uh, so you don't have to preach to me. I'm definitely on the same level with you, but perhaps we'll consider also adding a video element to Traffic Jam in the, in the future. So I was interrupting you. What was I interrupting as you were saying? I wanted to start literally just by rolling back to kind of how you got started because you've got a fantastic entrepreneurial history. You've done a lot of stuff in tech. Tell us about your first dot-com business. You started it at the age of 21. Tell us how it all came about. Um, it happened because I was looking for some way to make money. I was really desperate to do something meaningful with my life, but I also needed some money so that I could survive. And frankly, I thought the two were combined. If you have money, if you're doing, if you if you have money, then it means you're doing something meaningful in your life. If you're doing something meaningful, then money will follow. That's the way I was thinking at the time. It's obviously not. It's not exactly true. <laughs> but getting to the actual idea, we we did online greeting cards. Greeting cards are tremendously viral. What we did, unlike other people who do greeting cards, is when one of our users would send an electronic greeting card to their family members, we would have a, a checkbox on the site that said, "Tell me about other greeting cards." And so people would join our mailing list. And whenever we'd have a greeting card, we would tell them about it. Another thing that we did that was different, and this was, I think we copied it from other people. We didn't just wait for Mother's Day because we knew that Mother's Day was such a powerful day for greeting cards. We didn't wait for Valentine's Day, which is also a powerful day. We started inventing our own holidays. It would be like happy love your hair day. I don't know, something ridiculous like that. But if there was a holiday that we made up and we said, this is real, people would want to send out a greeting card. And that got those greeting cards sent out. And of course, every time someone sent out a greeting card, almost every time they joined our mailing list, and every time they were spreading the word about our greeting card site to their friends who were receiving those cards. So how are you monetizing this thing? Because if I remember rightly, you actually were offering these greeting cards in many cases, if not all the time, actually for free. So what was the monetization model? It was all free and the monetization was, um, it was lead generation. So with a banner ad, you might make a buck, maybe if you're lucky, $20 per thousand users, right? $20 per thousand users. If I could do lead generation, I would get paid a buck to $7.50 every time I collected a lead for a, for a client. So I think I could do maybe 50% of the people who, went, who, who sent out a greeting card. I could, do, I could get them to, to uh, become leads to one of my clients. So that becomes a minimum of $500 CPM as opposed to 20 bucks if you're lucky. $500. All right, so more specifically, here's what we would do. I'll give you the best example, one that people can relate to. After you sent out a greeting card, you're done, but you already gave me your name. So I would say, hi, uh, Veronica Smith. Thanks for sending out the greeting card. By the way, did you know that Time Magazine is giving away five free issues of their magazine to anyone who wants to try it? Just fill in your information below and we'll send it out to you. Fine Print says, if you don't cancel, you're signed up to get Time Magazine for months and months, but or maybe a year. But it's Time Magazine, so you can cancel anytime. You don't have to pay anything. All good. Now, she sees the, the form that asks for her contact information. Her name is already pre-populated in there again. So she, she feels, all right, half the work is done. All she has to do is put in her street address, hit submit, and she's good to go. That got us $7.50. Wow. 
So you you were basically doing traffic arbitrage, right? You you're buying it essentially traffic at a low price and, I, and selling. I wouldn't a lead say traffic arbitrage price. because traffic arbitrage is we just get traffic and we sell it without doing anything to it. I mean, this was we we were definitely buying traffic on a CPM on a on a cost per per action basis, but the action was sending out a greeting card. There was something mm. being done. Arbitrage would be if we went to Time Magazine and said, give us $7.50, and then we went to some other guy and we said, hey, James Reynolds, we will give you four bucks every time somebody uh, fills out our form and we collect $3.50. That would be the arbitrage. But it was much more sophisticated than that. And did the revenue model remain constant, Andrew, or were there any innovations along the way that led to the profitable model that you just described? So at first, the way we were going to make money was we were going to get people to send out greeting cards and then... While they were sending out greeting cards, they'd have an opportunity to join our mailing list. And when they joined our mailing list, we would send them content plus ads. You know, it would be a joke a day via email and an ad at the top of the joke. That's a good way to make money, but it takes for freaking ever. Mm. So we'd have to make a fraction of a penny on a user every day through the ad until we finally made up our money. That's a lot of t- that's a lot of cash. And at the time, we were spending ten cents per. We were paying ten cents to uh, websites every time someone came from their website to ours and sent out a greeting card. So we were paying 10 cents per per user just about. And it would take us 100 days, I think, maybe even more to make that money back. I forget the exact amount of time. So what we decided to do was say, instead of just making money through ads that, that way, why don't we put a uh, co-reg into, or a lead gen into our greeting card? And then we started charging a buck fifty, and then increased the prices from there. So we were paying ten cents, earning a buck fifty. Our net was a buck forty, and uh, and so we could afford to pay even more. We started off with ten cents, which amazed people. Then we paid twenty five cents to websites every time someone from their site sent out a greeting card. That blew people's minds. Imagine you got to add greeting cards to your site, and you made twenty five cents every time someone sent it out. Beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I think at one point your greeting card website got to the 19th most trafficked website in the world. Now, to get traffic of that magnitude, I'm sure you were doing some more non-conventional things that the average site owner listening to this podcast is probably not doing themselves. What's your best? No, all straight up that. Was it? it? There was nothing more than the two things that I told you. The first thing is we were paying affiliates to, to send us traffic. Number two, when someone sent out a greeting card, we would ask them to join our mailing list. Our mailing list got to be 20 plus million people. Nothing more sophisticated than that. Okay, well, there you go. There's the holy grail. <laughs> it, was that, it was that simple. But frankly, if you, look at, if you look at your life, if you look at the things that worked especially well, they were the, the things where the machine was very simple. When the machine gets complicated, when there are a lot of different parts to it, it's too much that can, that can break. When it's simple, it just works. Yeah, and I guess the lesson is there, once you've got a formula that works, it's just a matter of ramping it up to do as much of it as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, you eventually sold that business. And if I'm right in saying when you sold it, you actually sold it off in parts. Net yes. Creations bought your opt-in email database. I think I remember you saying, how much was actually worth to them at that time? Uh, you said Net Creations? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, it was a it was a good amount of money. Yes, they bought not the twenty plus million list, but we had a smaller list of people who specifically signed up for offers that were targeted just to their interests, and they were double opt in. And Net Creations was into that. 
I, I won't say the amount. I'll say it's seven figures. Um, and I think I have a copy of it somewhere scanned in my computer because it's one of the proudest checks of my life. But I won't say the amount. Well, after a few years of kind of hiatus after you sold that business, you then started, I think, in 2004, Mixergy. What inspired you to take on that project? You mentioned that I was the 19th most visited site. We were constantly in the top 20. Nobody knew who we were. And partially it's because I didn't want more people to understand what we were doing because then they might compete with us. I also didn't see much value in having people know what we were doing. So what's the point of telling them? So that was an issue. Another part was I just wasn't part of the cool kids. You know, there are cool kids even today in the tech world that everyone knows about, everyone loves, everyone admires. They're making no money. They're probably scraping by. Their businesses maybe are just barely surviving and then they'll eventually fail, but they're cool. And so the big bloggers write about them and the big reporters talk about them and the people who are impressive keep referring to them. I wasn't one of those people and it pissed me off. <laughs> and I felt like I knew more than those people did because those people were, were most of them were just flailing around. Yeah. So I thought I'd like to, the way for me to, to not be an obscure nobody in this world is to do something that people care about, to leave a legacy. And that's why I decided I would just, I would focus on ideas. Ideas are where I'm going to make my mark on the world. Well, I read that in creating Mixergy, you were inspired by Howard Dean's presidential campaign. And I want to tie this into traffic yes. generation. You'd watched him create a massive following using local meetups. What we teach here on Traffic Jam is really all about audience building. What were the biggest lessons you learned from modeling Howard Dean's campaign that you were able to apply to grow Mixergy? You know what? To be honest, it didn't work for me. But here's what I learned and was what I admired. And here's what didn't work. What Howard Dean was doing was he went from being a nobody, a governor of Vermont. Most people can't find Vermont on the map and they've never been to Vermont. They don't see Vermont as a cutting edge state. And still this guy was leading in the, in the Democratic, uh, uh, Democratic primaries. Why? Like, why was this nobody suddenly big? And if you started reading the newspapers at the time, uh, you'd see that what he was doing was he was using technology and he was using specifically meetup technology to get his – his followers together locally in person. They would meet at bars and back rooms of bars. They would meet at people's homes. They would meet in person and they would encourage each other. They would come up with ideas. They would execute ideas on a small scale and then share those ideas with, uh, with the main campaign. They would feel involved and so they would put more money into the campaign. It was all that stuff that was happening because you got them to meet in person. And so I said, if I want to create a movement, I should get my people to talk in person too. Here's where I failed. When you went to Howard Dean meeting, you knew what, what the goal was. You knew what the mission was. When you went to my meeting, you didn't know what the mission was because I was too much of a wuss to stand up and say, here's my mission. And I hadn't, frankly, even thought of what my mission would be in clear details because I was too embarrassed to talk about it. And because all I really wanted was to be somebody, you know, and I can't stand up and say, hey, everyone, we're all getting together because I would like to be somebody, you know? So the mistake that I made was I should have, been clear about what the mission was beyond me. And there was a mission beyond me. I should have talked about it and screwed up my way of talking about it so that when I looked at people's eyes and said, hey, they don't really understand what I'm about, I would have, I would have been forced to go home and rethink the way that I explained what this meetup was about. Because I did get people to get together in person. And so that interaction would have challenged me and forced me to sharpen my message. 
And if I had a clearer message, then maybe people would have gotten together outside of my own small community in Southern California where I happened to live. So all I did was I got all these groups together in person. We didn't talk about what the message was. We didn't talk about what the reason was. They would leave and then I would have to do it again. Not, not really the best way to do things. So my big takeaway from that is, yes, the power of getting together in person, but more than that, the power of standing up and saying and the importance of standing up and saying what you're trying to do, what you're standing up for. And it's really scary to do that when you're starting out, you know, because what if you fail? Then everyone knows what you were trying to do. So they all know that you failed, right? It's scary because you don't exactly know what you're doing at first. When you're starting out, you say, well, I'm going to kind of figure it out. I, I think what the business is, is this, but maybe it's that. Like with you, for example, if you stand up and you say, I'm going to help everyone out there. My mission is to help people who are listening to me become uh, better at getting traffic. It's kind of scary because now we all know exactly what James is up to. And if James fails, we know. So you might be hesitant to say that. Um, it's also scary to say, I'm going to do it via audio interviews. And that's scary because you don't know if it's going to be audio interviews or some jerk is going to complain to you that you should be doing video and then maybe you adjust <laughs> a video and maybe neither one works because people are too tired of consuming content over the course of 20 minutes to an hour and then you decide that checklists are the most effective thing. Screw interviews, create checklists. But the power of saying it publicly is that people can have that argument with you, that they can judge you in person, that you can see what they're excited about. And I'd say the same thing to anyone who's listening to us. That's one of the big big lessons I have. Stand up and say what you're trying to do and it's okay if later on it doesn't work out. It's okay if later on it's, it changes. Well, you've got a pretty clear mission now, right, with Mixergy, and it has evolved into something very different. I'm sure many of the listeners that are tuned in right now will know all about it. But for those that don't, what has Mixergy become today? Mixergy is a place to learn from real entrepreneurs, to learn how to build your business by listening to real entrepreneurs tell you their stories and experiences and what they've learned. Cool. Okay. Well, that sums it up quite nicely. It leads, it leads very well into my next question. You've, of course, interviewed some pretty prominent people, the likes of um, Guy Kawasaki, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, the founders of Groupon Living Social. One of those names that I mentioned, Seth Godin, recently came um, out on his blog to say that he only wants to be interviewed or only accepts interviews now by those that have bigger or more influential audiences. Is this a strategy for you? Bigger audiences than him? Yes. No, I, I, I get why he's doing it. I'm disappointed. I didn't realize. I, I don't know what exactly he said. I didn't see that, that post. But one of the nice things about Seth Godin was that he would do he did an interview with me when I didn't have an audience. And then when I did have an audience, I was able to keep promoting and, and help him. But more than that, I guess he helped me. And by helping me, he got his message out. I, I talk a lot about how when I had no audience, I interviewed Seth and I said to him, what do you say to someone? Who, your book is about how to build a tribe. What do you say to someone who has no one, who has no tribe? I can't build a tribe here. He started telling me the story of Barack Obama and how Barack Obama was traveling with just, I think it was a photographer for a long time and no one was paying attention to him before the audiences that would soon, that would pass out, that would fight for and against him. It was just him and one other person in the car trying to get attention. And in time, that tribe came. And I learned from that to just focus on my message, to not pay attention to how many people are out there. And eventually they'll come out. And I think by teaching me, he helped influence a lot of people. And I wish that he would recognize the power of it if he does. And he probably does. As for me, what I do, I 
I try to say yes to as many interviews as possible because I don't know who's going to be big because talking to you helps me sharpen my my ideas. Even if nobody listens to this, even if you accidentally destroy this interview, the fact that you've pushed me to think through what I stand for is helpful. The fact that you pushed me to think through what I learned from the first version of Mixergy, which was to say what you stand for and to look and see how people react to it so that you can know if you're expressing it right. That's helpful for me. I think those conversations are very useful. And of course, you're putting out a lot of interviews as a um, as an interviewer. You're doing about one per day, I think. And then also you're putting out pretty much a course every week. Now, I'm sure there's someone listening into the show right now who's going, heck, I can't even put out one piece of content per month. How can Andrew be so prolific with his content creation? What's your secret? I disagree with them. People always think that they can't. I think they can. I think they're overthinking it. I say, put out whatever's simplest. I'm big on interviews. I'm big on on not pretending that we as bloggers and writers and and entrepreneurs know everything. I'm big on saying, who out there knows? I'm going to listen to them, learn from them, and and write what I've learned from them. And so here's my suggestion. If you're going to interview, you first of all, do it. And second, don't feel like you have to copy me. Don't feel like you have to copy trafficjamcast.com. The goal is to find the simplest way to do an interview and get it out there on a regular basis without any headaches to you. The goal is not to make it look good. The goal is not to make your guests look good. The goal is not to make it look polished. The goal is to keep it so simple that you can do it over and over. And when you do it over and over, you get good and and better and better and you become the best. So my suggestion is maybe what you do is you say, I'm going to come up with one question that I care about and my whole content generation process will be to ask people that one question. And so you say, Andrew was just interviewed on uh, trafficjamcast.com. I'm going to be, I want to interview him too, but I'm going to keep it real simple. I'm going to say, Andrew, I only have one question for you. I'm going to type out your answer and I'll put it up on my website. And that's it. And then you do it over and over again. And then maybe in time you say, you know, it would be cool if I could record that and put the recording of it on. And then maybe you say, yeah, I could do a video recording of it. Maybe I can do whatever. But start with whatever simplest and repetitive. Every day you want to do it. I guess it's all about creating, you know, consistency and a schedule for yes. doing this stuff. Have you got a deadline that you've got to get this out like we do here we have a deadline of each weekend it's got to be published then you kind of force yourself to follow through yes keep it really simple with everything there you go well closing question andrew as we get towards the end i noticed looking at stats for mixergy.com that your number one traffic source in terms of pure traffic seems to be Google, um, what is your best traffic source in terms of conversions? Because of course you do have a paid element to Mixergy. What is your most effective traffic source? Um, I don't know. What I notice is I have traffic on, um, I have a, a tracking on my site. And what I notice is that people will go through the site often for weeks. Actually, you know what? Conversions, I take it back. Google, absolutely. And I'll give you a great example of it. Someone will be Googling how did lynda.com build its business because they want to build an online education business, for example. And they'll end up on my interview with Linda of lynda.com. And they'll say, I want to listen to that. And they'll pay to listen to it. Or they'll And they'll see, hey, if I pay to listen to this, I get hundreds of other interviews that are similar. Boom, I'm in, I'll pay. And if I'm not happy, I can cancel and get a refund. Google's terrific. But what I noticed though is that that 
is a small portion of my overall sales. Where my sales really come from is someone might be listening to this, then they come check out my site, then they check it out again, then they check out another interview, then they join the mailing list, then they see that I do this course, and then they get a little bit of what's in the course, but they want the rest of the stuff. And so it's a very long sales process where they get to know me, where they trust that they get their money back, where they trust that the content's good, where they say, you know, sometimes it stinks, but I want to support them, and then they buy. There isn't a very clear uh, sales funnel. Yeah, I think that's the power of of what we're doing here, though, with with video and audio is you can really nurture that process and people will sample your stuff and then come back to you repeatedly again until they feel comfortable and confident enough to take on your paid stuff. So I'm sure you're testament to that. Andrew, thanks for your time today. Have you got any final words of wisdom to our listener out there? Uh. Yes, you should not just be listening to this interview. You should do your own interview. I told you how simple it can be. You just send one email out and ask someone to do to uh, with one question, post that question and answer on your site. You've got an interview. That's it. Keep it simple. Boom, there you go. Cool. So Andrew from Mixergy.com. Is that where I should send people off to as a result of listening to this, Andrew? Yes, yeah, send them off there and I would send them off to your contact page. Is there? Yes, it's up in the top of your site and I'm going to encourage them to tell you that you should be doing video. This week's news in traffic. Now for users of Instagram comes the exciting news that you can now share stories not only using pictures but using video too. Now when you go to the photo application you'll see the addition of a video camera icon. Now all you do is tap that and you'll enter video mode where you can take up to 15 seconds of video and share it with your usual Instagram followers. Now the video feature comes with a bunch of cool settings and the usual types of filters that you're very familiar with in the photo option. If you've seen the little camera icon in the comments field on Facebook, you'll realize that you now have the ability to add photos and images to your comments on threads. Now this feature is new, it's only available to profiles right now and not to pages. Google's dominance continues to raise eyebrows with the Federal Trade Commission. A Google spokesman confirmed on Monday that the company has been contacted by the FTC about its $1.1 billion purchase of Waze, a competitor to Google Maps. Now, the purchase has raised eyebrows among consumer groups worried that the internet company is picking off its competitors one by one. Now, if there's one thing for certain, Google is moving into many more spaces and we can expect more acquisitions in the future. Well, there's a couple of really nice iTunes reviews this week, and both of them come from listeners in the United Kingdom. Uh, the first one is from Toxic Creative, which I happen to know is Chris, who will be listening somewhere in Northamptonshire. And he says, I'm really enjoying Traffic Jam. I've been following James online for a few years now, and he obviously knows internet marketing inside out. I tend to listen to this podcast whilst driving into work and find myself pulling over and making valuable notes each time. This is definitely a must listen for anyone looking to boost their online audience far. So thank you, Chris. 
The second review, also from the United Kingdom, and also a five-star review, is from Thomas Wynne. And Thomas says, I can attest that James knows what he's talking about. Anyone who's into internet marketing should give this podcast a listen. Each episode is full of useful information that you'd probably end up paying for elsewhere. Give it a listen today. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thomas is, in fact, someone I've worked with several times. He does uh, some uh, of my development work, and uh, yeah, he's a really knowledgeable guy himself. So thanks, Thomas, for uh, piping in and leaving a review. If you, the listener, have a review for us also, just a reminder, you can submit that in one of three places. The first is on trafficjamcast.com, just simply by leaving a comment beneath the episode on the individual episode page. You also have the option over at trafficjamcast.com to leave a voicemail message, which you do using the speak pipe function, which sits right at the base of the site. So if you want to get your voice heard on Traffic Jam, that's the way to do it. Any comments or questions would be gratefully submitted there. And of course, the third option is to leave a review over iTunes. Now to do that, you'll need to log into iTunes via your computer and then do a quick search for Traffic Jam in the business podcast section. And you'll you'll land up then on the podcast page. Simply sort of choose a star rating one to five, submit your review and uh, you'll more than likely get a shout out on a future show. The one minute traffic tip. Now this week's traffic tip comes courtesy of Clay Collins, who I shared the stage with in Sydney, Australia a couple of weeks ago. And he describes this tip as fixing the leaky traffic on your website. Now, if you're someone who I'm sure has searched the internet several times, you'll know that you can quite often land up on a 404 error page. This can happen when you mistype the URL or you click on a link from another website that happens to be broken. Now, if you yourself have a reasonably well-promoted site along with a decent level of traffic, there will be people landing up on error pages on your site too. Now, if you're smart, like Clay, you can actually turn that potential wasted traffic into a subscriber. Now, what you would do is set up a custom 404 page that might say something like, oops, you've landed up on an error page, but I don't want you to leave empty-handed. Download my free report, the five things you can do today to instantly boost your website traffic. Then have an opt-in form and a way for them to download that report that you create. Now, how do you create these pages? Well, you can do it the hard way and you can mess around with code and get one designed from the ground up, or you could use Clay's lead pages software and literally make that page within a couple of clicks. Now, I'll link to the software your easy convenience from within the show notes. So whatever device you're listening to, head on over to trafficjamcast.com and locate the episode page and you'll find a link there to lead pages. Now, this is super simple. It's not going to make a massive difference to your business, but certainly will get you a few extra subscribers per day or so if you have a reasonable level of traffic. And it's a very quick and easy win. So go try that out. Go try out Clay's lead pages software and let me know how you get on. That rounds out another episode of Traffic Jam. Of course, we'll be doing it all again next week. 
And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do log into iTunes and leave a review. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, it may just be that you get a little shout out on next week's show. Now, playing out this episode is a track by Faithless. The track is an old classic tune from a few years ago, and it's one that you may well know. It's titled Insomnia.
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com. 